0: knew. never knew, that was his powers, power. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world
1: he didn't exist. Back now and here we go again. Spread the words, we a shorty tell a friend. The game changed, but I'm here to break a ten. The boys play, but I'm here to make amends. Real talk. Real talk. Real talk. Real... Welcome back
0: to the Relatively Speaking Podcast. I am your host, Jared Mintz, and you are listening to episode 127 being recorded on Sunday, January 21st. Between Chris Paul's controversial return to the Staples Center to take on the Clippers, Aaron Aflalo literally trying to take Nemanja Bjelica's head off, and the Cavs dropping five of their last six games and looking like the worst defense the NBA has seen in years, things are heating up around the NBA. Somewhere in the background of the madness has been the Chicago Bulls, who are 15-8, the fourth-best record in the league since Nikola Mirotic's return to the team in early December, and have won four of their last five games. While I don't enjoy watching the Bulls' A, win games, and B, appear to be finally on the right side of rebuilding, sorry, just too many scars from my childhood, I thought it would be fun to talk about what's going right for this team and how bright their future actually looks. Joining me to discuss just that is my friend VJ Vimu. VJ covers the Bulls for SB Nation's bloggable.com and does some college hoops for the network's popular Big East site, BigEastCoastBias.com, You may have also read his work at 16 Wins a Ring and Blog of Sports. Vijay, how's it going?
1: Good, man. Thank you for having me. Really, uh, really happy to be on this podcast. Uh, You know, talk some Bulls. I know it's a sore subject for you, but I really like the Bulls and, you know, NBA discussions always should be fun to have.
0: For sure. Yeah. Uh, I preface this before we started recording that I just, I will always have this sourness towards the Bulls franchise just dating back. Damn. I mean, it's almost 25 years now, I guess 20 years I was always hopeful that uh, the 97 playoffs could have been the time that the Knicks got past the Bulls, but obviously we had Charlie Ward getting flipped over by P.J. Brown. Let's not talk about the Knicks. Let's talk about the Bulls. But before we do that, V.J., i like to do five rapid-fire random questions with my guests, kind of as an icebreaker to let the listeners learn a little bit more before we get into basketball. You said you were cool to do this before we started recording. You still down for some random questions? Sure. Why not? Yeah, let's see. Cool. All right. Question number one. Who was the first professional or collegiate athlete that you hated?
1: Um, I would have to say J.J. Reddick, uh, maybe because he was just like a Duke player. I love J.J. Reddick now, let me just say that. Uh, but growing up, uh, everyone was like, oh, J.J. Reddick, who's that? And just like, I don't know, just sort of like the Duke hatredness. I was like introduced to that early. I don't know how, but I remember when I think of the first athlete that I really hated, it was probably J.J. Reddick.
0: I think you probably have that in common with a lot of people. Uh, so I'm also a Duke fan, and I never really liked J.J. Reddick in college. I don't know what it was about him, but, like, I was a diehard Duke fan. I just couldn't, couldn't come around to liking him, and I do love him in the NBA so much, too. He's such a great pro. All right, question number two. VJ, your life is on the line, and you have to cook one dish, and it has to be objectively good. What is your go-to?
1: Uh, probably macaroni and cheese. Uh, <laughs> I am not know this is going to be really basic answer, but I'm not that good of a cook, so I could probably fix something up really quickly, so probably, like, a macaroni and cheese with, like, like a, the cheese sauce with a little bit of, like, extra milk or some butter in it, something like that.
0: My Just man, so we're not strictly talking, like, a box mac and cheese. You could get, like, the brick of cheese and cook yeah. your own pasta.
1: Yeah, probably.
0: All right, man, I dig that. That's not too bad. Question number three, what is your hottest music take?
1: Um... I don't know, is it, uh, let's see, actually this is tough, Uh, I think Travis Scott's one of the top five rappers right now, I think, I would say that, I'm a big Travis Scott guy, so I would say that, Um, I think right now he's in the top five rappers.
0: Tell me what I'm missing, what is good about Travis Scott, because I just cannot come around to him.
1: Uh, I just think, I mean his lyrics are okay, like his bars are okay, but I think it's his beats sometimes that really get you. So like I don't know. I, I really like his beats and like his production work I think it's pretty good. Um I don't know it just his songs are just and they kind of catchy too and he also has good uh his good features like when he when he hops on a song it's pretty good and also he has got other guys jump on his songs are pretty good.
0: Yeah, he's got pretty cool features. You're right. His production's pretty solid too. I'm trying to be less of a hater. I had Brian Gibberman on my show last week and I was hoping he would vibe with me as like an older dude Who's not as into hip hop anymore, and he kind of called me crotchety for not listening to new guys. I know Travis yeah. Scott's not really that new, but uh, I need to open up my mind more. All right, we got two more rapid fire questions. Who do you think is the most underappreciated wrestler of all time?
1: Oh, that's that's tough. Um, jeez. Hmm, about to think of a wrestler that was underappreciated. Um, might be Kane to be honest with you. Like Kane did a lot of good work back in like the WWF, and he still does good work today. Um, I feel like because of his like his brothers, was basically with the Undertaker and like all the thing that went on with the mask and like you know corporation Kane, how they sort of like sized down his like legacy in a way. I think that he's the most underappreciated wrestler because he could do so much in the ring, and he was pretty he was pretty agile for a guy his size in the ring, and also he had some pretty good runs back in the day. So I'd say Kane.
0: Wow, that's a good answer. I was not expecting that. I was thinking, I don't know, for some reason I always think Kurt Angle, even though I know he's probably considered one of the greatest of all time. I feel like I don't hear his name mentioned enough when we have that conversation, but Kane's really, really a good one. Alright, last question we got before we get into the NBA and the Chicago Bulls. VJ, if you could live the life of any TV show or movie character, who would it be? Uh,
1: oof, this is a tough one. Um, Uh, I would probably say I don't know, this is a random answer, but like Vin Diesel from Fast and Furious. I don't know. I think just drive just being able to like to make to like fix cars and drive really fancy cars, that would be pretty cool and also do some dangerous stuff.
0: I like that because I feel like a lot of the time somebody thinks of either like a person with a lot of money or somebody who has like Women all around them are like mm-hmm. crazy power, but there's so much yeah. downside and there's so much negative to so many of those characters. Where, like, yeah, that's true. Vin Diesel's got consistency, man. He just keeps going with it.
1: Yeah, and he's made like eight movies so far. So, like, <laughs> you know how much money that makes? So, yeah.
0: <laughs> for sure. All right, VJ, thanks so much for being a good sport and answering my rapid fire questions. Let's get into basketball. As I mentioned in the opening, the Bulls found themselves sitting at 3 and 20 less than two months into the season. As bad as they were, it seemed relatively reasonable that they were going to be one of the worst teams in the league this season, seeing how they traded Jimmy Butler and went all in on rebuilding. Obviously, things have changed quite a bit since early December, when Miritich returned to the team. They're currently 18-28, and 28 and still only 5.5 games out of a playoff spot. How have the Bulls performed versus expectations you had heading into the season?
1: Um, so, I'm going to think, uh, expectations, I thought they were going to be exactly how they started the season, complete, like complete garbage uh but i didn't know they were going to be that bad like i didn't know they were going to be absolutely unwatchable bad so sort of like okay like they did worse than i was thinking when they're heading like they started the season but like you know they picked it up and i think they've performed generally well like i thought they would be in the top five top six range but now they're in like the eight or nine range which is a little bit better um so i think they have exceeded expectations heading into this year i think people thought they would be bad but at the same time, no one knew how bad they were going to be because they had so many question marks. They're like, all right, what if Chris Dunn gets more minutes? What if Markin starts playing well like he did at Arizona? Um, what if guys like Valentine, Portis, um, Felicio step up with like the minutes uptick? Like, what about what happens to Robin Lopez? What happens to Nikola Mirotic when he comes back? If they trade him, like Zach Levine's a trade. There's so many questions, and everyone knew they were going to be bad. So it's sort of like a range that people had them in. And I think they're on the higher end of that range right now.
0: For sure, for sure. I mean, I thought they'd be one of the worst teams in the league. I didn't think that they were going to be 3-20 and bad to start the season. But again, they did start the season without Levine. They started the season without Miritich. You know, these were some guys that were expected to play big minutes, if if even, you know, be on the team. That's more to Miritich than to Levine, who, you know, was a player who this was going to be a tryout year for him, see what he could do. We'll get back to that in a little bit, but really one of the things, the big things for this team heading into the season was the production they were going to get from the Jimmy Butler trade, which, you know, on draft night, they finally make this huge splash by trading him. They were pretty universally laughed at for giving up Butler and their first round pick for Levine, Chris Dunn, and the pick that turned into Laurie Markkanen. Uh, while Jimmy Buckets is doing Jimmy Buckets things and finally making the Wolves a good team, Dunn's looked like a completely different player as a sophomore in the best way possible, Markkanen's been one of the best rookies in the league in a season where there's no shortage of awesome rookies, and Levine just returned from his knee injury, and he looked pretty good in at least his first couple of games. What are your thoughts on how the Jimmy Butler trade has played out versus how you felt when it happened?
1: Uh, I, I mean, I'm a big Jimmy Buckets guy, so it really hurt seeing Jimmy Butler leave, um, but I think I think it was a really tough trade to swallow, especially the draft night. Because of the return they got, and knowing the Bulls, and they got they're getting swindled in deals. Like we were just like a few months removed from the Cameron Payne trade. So like, no Bulls fan was ever going to be happy about a trade because they everyone's going to keep comparing it to the past. Um, obviously the trade has done a lot better. I still think they should have gotten that 16th pick back. I think that that was still a mistake. But you know, Dunn's been playing. Dunn's played fantastic. I think I think he showed the biggest improvement out of anyone. Um, and showing that. Like you know, his ceiling is all star level potential. Um, Levine showing that you know, you know maybe he could be a top scorer in the league. So I I personally was still on the keep the Jimmy Butler trade and build around him because like you don't trade away top ten players like that without you know like realizing that you might have made a mistake and not rebuilding around them. Uh, so I graded that Jimmy Butler trade as like a D minus when I first when I first thought about it, but now it's probably moved up to like a C probably. I still have to see about Levine. Uh, and Don, and how much marketing could go because you know what you're getting from Jimmy Butler and you don't know what you're going to keep getting from those guys especially the likes of Dunn whose jump shot is so inconsistent and uh, Levine's defense too
0: yeah those, those are really great points and I can't you know agree with you more about trading Jimmy Butler you have a top 10 player on your team maybe you just try to commit to building around him I mean I think the thing with Jimmy obviously went beho- beyond building around the talent that he was I think that I would never say anything bad about Jimmy Butler's personality. I think he's a great mm-hmm. dude. Yeah. I really like him a lot. You know, he's one of my favorite players in the NBA off the court. But sometimes players in front offices clash and maybe that's on the front office. You know, maybe it wasn't on Jimmy, maybe it was on Garpax, maybe it's on Hoiberg. Whatever reason, it just it wasn't working out. So they had to move him to make him happy, to to move forward without him. It's it's a lot harder to get rid of your front office, especially when there's as much buy-in from ownership, as there apparently is, you know, with the Bulls. But again, part of the Butler trade was the team committing to going young. They already had older y- older young guys like Paul Zipser, Jerry Grant, Denzel Valentine in the fold last year, not to mention Bobby Portis, who just couldn't seem to find consistent minutes prior to this season. Now they've added these other impactful players with the return of Justin Holiday, David and Wamba, who's coming out of nowhere, and of course, Levine, Dunn, and Lori. What are your thoughts on the team's young core? Do you think they can really build with some of these guys?
1: I think they can. I think they can build with guys like Levine, Markinen, Dunn, uh, even guys like Nawaba, I think. like Those are like the four guys that stand out to me when I think of like the younger players. Everyone else is either probably on their way out or they're going to not be that big of a focal point, point. and that includes Portis and Valentine. I don't really know what their ceiling is or what the Bulls project them to be, but I project them just to be bench guys coming off the bench, giving an impact. So those four guys and Nawaba, Markinen Levine and Dunn are probably the guys that are going to keep moving forward. Um, but I've been, I've been happy with this young core. I mean, obviously winning games, seeing them win games and, like, moving up and up out of the draft lottery is tough. But at the same time, like, you have to be pleasantly surprised with the, like, the improvements they've made so early in year one and the skills that they're showing – that they didn't always show when they're, like, a year before. Like, Markman is able to guard in space now, and it's, like, not something that you, that you see, that you saw at Arizona, because, like, in Arizona, like, his defense, it, that was actually a problem. They're, like, can he actually guard on the switch? And when he did, when he does now, is like, it's not not as bad as people would think. Uh, Dunn's jump shots look a lot better than it has in years prior. Um, we still have to see how he is when he steps back to the three-point line, but as of now, it looks really, really good. Um, he's being a lot more aggressive offensively and he's showing that like, you know, if he's like a third or fourth option on a team, he can be very, very valuable. And also he's playing well off the ball and he's still being a hound defensively. Uh, Levine showing like he hasn't missed a step after that ACL injury. Like, yeah, he's had some bad games as of late, a little bit as of late, but he's still showing that like consistency to shoot jump shots and ability just to put the ball in the basket, which is very impressive.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, what you said really stands out, especially with Lowry and with Dunn. Uh again, we kinda laughed a little bit at the Bulls winding up with Markkanen just because there was so much talent in the lottery level of, of oh, last yeah. year's draft, so many good players, and not that there was any doubt that Markkanen could come into the league and shoot. I mean, his shooting was transcendent in college, and at his size, you value a guy that could shoot the ball that way, but there were concerns about his defense, concerns about him being tough enough to be a good rebounder, and we're seeing him, you know, kinda Get rid of the naysayers. He he's rebounding the ball well, as you mentioned. You know his help defense and being able to switch has been better than anybody could have expected. And you're getting a guy who's shooting 43% from the field and 37% from three, which is only going to go up as he has more guys that can create for him and take pressure off of him. Hopefully, you see we see that happen a little bit with Levine getting healthier. Again, he just he has a major tryout for this team over the next couple months, and hopefully, he could be a different player than he was the last couple years in terms of vibing better with an offense in terms of being a black hole. It's still a little bit to be determined, but th- there is a good young core. It, it's impressive for them. Do you consider this team to kind of be in line with, you know, the Sixers and with the Lakers and maybe some of the other teams that have good young cores? Or are you not there yet in terms of being that excited about their young players? Uh, I'm not there yet.
1: Because like when you mentioned teams like the Sixers, and, especially the Sixers um, and the Lakers, like, I'm just going to stick with the topic of the Sixers because the Lakers are a little bit more controversial based on how you view Lonzo Ball, how you view Kuzma's ceiling, and what Ingram can do, but I'm thinking about the Sixers and Beaton Simmons. Those are two superstar potential players. Um, I'm not going to knock on Laurie Markman, but I don't know if he's a superstar per se. Like I really love the guy. He's really, really good, but I have no idea if he's going to become a superstar. Um, because you know, we all define superstars and all stars and that sort of stuff differently. Uh <laughs> right. Dunn, I don't see I don't know if he's gonna be an all-star or not. Same with Levine. Um, but in Embiid and Simmons, you're gonna get two transcendent players like that. So um so I don't know. I don't think the Bulls are on that level yet, but I do think if they add like a, a solid a solid piece to this team, they could be they could be a pretty good team. And we'll see how Marknon develops. Like if Markden develops into an all-star, if Levine can be like a very top like a top option offensively while also being getting a a little better on defense and if Dunn's the fourth option on the team behind whoever they draft this year then I think they can be a very solid team and they would be almost sort of like a poor man's 76ers because you just don't know how they would keep developing but I do think they would be on that timeline if everything goes correctly.
0: Yeah, I'm with you in that I've kind of been a Sixers fan, so to speak, for the last couple of years, just in that I love Joel Embiid coming out of college and I mm-hmm. love Ben Simmons. Just been from the first time I watched Ben Simmons play, I mean, you could see this guy is transcendent. He just makes everybody around him better, he can do all things, despite not being able to shoot. I mean, a seven foot point guard with with that size, strength, ability, you really can't compare any young court of the Sixers. I, I agree with you there, but the Bulls are there. They, they just, they have these young guys who seem to be improving. I know there's a lot of talk about, you know, maybe Chris Dunn is a little too old already to have confidence in him progressing and becoming a better player that we would have had more signs out of him. And I mean, not sure if Denzel Valentine could be a player, Jerry and Grant, but again, a lot of good young guys. This is what you want to see a team do that really needs to rebuild and has needed to rebuild for a couple of years But, BJ, who's been the player on this team that you've been the most pleasantly surprised with so far?
1: Uh, I think it's going to be Don. Marketing, like, I knew he was going to be a three-point shooter out of college. I was like, all right, we're going to expect that. Um, I think it's been done. honestly. Uh, I didn't know what to expect from Chris Dunn. Uh, My expectation would be sort of, like... I don't know, just like a defensive point guard who just cannot absolutely, like a Tony Allen playing point guard. That's how I expected him to be. Like teams would absolutely, does not choose not to guard him, and they still kind of not do at this point, but um, just choose not to guard him, and he would prove them right in terms of like you know not being able to shoot the ball. Um, but he's been very very good. Like he's been uh, he's been attacking the ball, um, attacking defenders, uh, being able to hit the mid range game, like pulling up and hitting from mid range, uh, drive the ball with confidence. Um. Just lead transitions and stuff like that. He's been he's been playing very very well. Um, he hasn't tried to like. I mean, sometimes he tries to do too much, and that's when you see the turnovers, the stupid plays. Like, and that also comes with the aggressiveness. So he has to realize times where he can be aggressive and times where he can't be. But I think in terms of what we saw last year and just how bad he was, I think that this is a big big step up for kristen
0: Yeah, I would think so too. It, it looks like a win, and I don't know if. If Minnesota knew he could be this kind of player, they were just happy to get rid of him. But the Butler trade looks a lot better today than it did when it happened. And part of that is just Chris Dunn being an NBA player, where it looked like, hey, he could fizzle out of the league. Um, With that said, you know, Chris Dunn should be on the team through his rookie contract. Hopefully he can continue to improve. But this team has several young players who could be a part of the core moving forward who are on expiring contracts. Obviously, we're talking about Zach Levine and Nico Miritich. Let's start with Zach. What do you think they do with him moving forward? Do you think the trade was kind of, you know, a, a trial to see what he can do? Do you think that they have long-term plans for him? Obviously, we haven't seen enough of him to to really have a better idea, but... You're more connected to this team. What are your thoughts on his status with the team moving forward?
1: Um, I would believe that they would want to keep him long term because I don't know. I don't think they flipped Jimmy Butler for like a one year rental and then realized, you know, look, like, you know, Levine's not worth it. Um, so I would say that they do keep. Zach Levine, long term, I think they want to. Like, um, obviously like, unless like Levine shows them something that like is like no reason why to, should they they should be keeping him, then they probably try to sign him to an extension. Um, although it would be pretty hilarious if the Bulls don't end up signing him to an extension. Um, I just think that Levine moving forward is the key piece of that trade. Obviously with Markinon, so I think the Bulls view um, it in terms of Levine, Markinon, and then done. Uh so I think the Bulls wanted to build around a core of Mark and Levine, so I would see them trying to snap up Zach Levine pretty quickly.
0: Interesting, interesting. Yeah, I mean I hope the guy continues to play well this year. He just he can do so much on offense. He's a lot of fun to watch. The defense hasn't been there and you know you hope he gets a little bit more awareness on the court. But he, he's just he's a fun player to watch and I hope we can see him grow still. He's still so freaking young too. I'm optimistic that Levine will be a part of their future plans. A little less optimistic with Nico, who obviously, you know, coming into the season, really wanted to be traded. You know, the the altercation with Bobby Portis was pretty insane and crazily not, you know, the first time something like this has happened with the Bulls. Or at least a story similar, you know, obviously we had the Jimmy Butler, Derrick Rose, where Derrick Rose's eye socket was broken. And not a whole lot of news came out about that, but there was speculation. But Nico wanted to be traded. He's come back and he's been playing really well. And obviously the team's done great since he's come back. What do you think his future looks like with this team? Do you think he's, you know, pretty much out within the next couple weeks with the trade deadline approaching?
1: Uh, I think he's out. Like, I do think he's out. But at the same time, like, I don't think the Bulls should blindly give him up. Like, if that makes sense. Like I, don't, I, th- I think the Bulls need to trade Nikola Mirotic if they want to remain on this timeline. Because, like, Mirotic is playing out of his mind. And obviously he's going to regress. Like, he's going to regress. Like, that's... That's a given, um, so might as well strike while the iron is hot for the Bulls, and you can get like the max out of him. Um, but at the same time, they should, if like Nico does regress in like these next a like, couple of weeks, I don't think they should be so easy to pull the trigger on a deal that would just be, like a, like, a med deal. Like, if they do, like... A, like the, I know they were talking to Utah, and, like, there were reports saying that, like, a swap for swap with Derek Favors would be, like, the best. Like, I don't know if that would be the best move. I honestly don't. So I don't think the Bulls should, prop like, just openly blind, like, pull the trigger on a deal, even if it would be non, that non-beneficial for them. But at the same time, if they do want to keep on this timeline, maybe they should really think, like, be desperate of moving Nico. But at the same time, like, who knows? Like, I think... I know um, Ricky O'Donnell of SB Nation also talked about this, was maybe like the Bulls should it move Nico if they don't get the right deal, like which is also what I'm saying. But um, at the same time, should they keep Miritich? That's also an interesting question for me.
0: Right. I think the funny thing is since he's come back, Bobby Portis is actually leading the team in net rating by, mm-hmm. by a sizable yeah. margin. And it's been fun to watch them play together. I obviously don't get to watch them enough, so... I don't really get to see their relationship on the court. Does it look like they've been able to put this behind them?
1: Uh, yeah, it actually has. They're playing really well on the court together. It's actually very surprising, considering like, Bobby Porter's knocked out Niko Mirotic, like a couple of months ago. Like, They're playing very well. Like, They have no problems when it comes to being on the court. Obviously, I can't speculate as to what happens off the court. I don't have that access to the team. Um, but I... I mean from, from like the eye test you could say on T V, they're playing fantastic. Like it's it's really it's really weird to watch considering like these stuff usually doesn't happen. And usually you'd have thought like, you know, Portis or Nico would have been off the team by now, but like they're playing they're playing very well together. I'm yeah. happily surprised.
0: Yeah, it's been one of the more fun stories in the NBA for sure, especially with how crazy it was hearing about what happened with them and you know, kinda how nobody had heard from Nico for I don't know. What what was it? It was more than a few days after the incident Yeah, happened.
1: he completely like ghosted the entire team. <laughs> like he did like he basically like locked himself in that hospital room. It was like I'm not talking to anyone. So, it was pretty it was really weird because like this was like a classic bull situation where like the like it just shows complete dysfunction within the whole organization. Like you had the Derrick Rose thing too where he got punched in the eye socket like I don't know, a fight during training camp is not a good look at all on either side. So and especially when they're trying to trade Miritich. like trading Miritich was top being talked about like ever since the Jimmy Butler trade happened. So then now you have to figure out what you're going to do with Portis, what you're going to do with Nico. Nico doesn't talk to anyone. Um, he has like a, like a broken face. So like this whole thing was a mess to begin with. But just seeing them play on, well in the court together is pretty good because like honestly, um, it raises both of their trade values. Like Nico makes him like a first round pick, and Portis basically raises him from having the trade value of nothing to something. So I think both of them playing well is a good outlook on the Bulls in general.
0: For sure. Speaking of them playing well, and speaking of leadership, Fred Hoiberg wasn't really getting any kind of love uh, for the job he had done his first couple of years with the team. Now, obviously, they've turned things around at least these last couple of weeks. How much of this team playing well do you think? You know, is Hoiball? Do you think uh, it's just you know a young team and less pressure with Jimmy Butler? Wh- what do you feel about Fred Hoiberg? You know, mid January two thousand eighteen.
1: I think it's the sort of combination of both things that you mentioned. I think it's part of HoiBowl and the fact that he has a really young team. Like, obviously, okay, uh, I mean, Fred Hoyberg wasn't going to get to the veterans of this Bulls team. Like, when he took over, there was a ton of Tibbs guys left, like Joe Kim-Noah, Taj Gibson, Jimmy Butler, like those those types of guys. Um, obviously, lying to Joe Kim-Noah about his starting spot did not help anyone out in terms of, like, his love for, like, the fans and how he was viewed around. Because, like, you know, Joe Kim-Noah is, like, a cult hero. It's like, he's a hero here in Chicago, he just don't do things like that, and then clashing heads with Jimmy Butler was not was another thing. Um, so I think when he came from college, uh, he didn't get like he didn't exactly earn the respect from the from the veterans. I mean, which is normal because like most veterans are like, who's this college coach who's trying to tell me what to do? So I think it was kind of tough for Fred Hoiberg. Yeah, um, and the thing surrounding Fred Hoiberg was always like, okay, he's given basically round holes to fit into square pegs. So like, how do you like how do we fully judge him if, until he has, like, the team that he wants. Um, so I think that he's done a very good job. He's done a pleasantly good job, I think. Um, he's, he's gotten the team to fit his system. Like, everyone there can shoot how many ever times they want. It's fantastic because it's like watching his old teams at Iowa State just, like, run and gun, shoot, do whatever. Like, it's basically watching, like, one of those, like, like five-on-nobody five, five on nobody drills with, like, the balls because, like, everyone just wants to shoot the ball um it's like a bunch of pace and space he's spacing out the floor they're getting more modern they're not more of like the mid-range type of team that they were um for the past couple of years so um i'm gonna give horbrick some credit like he's he's done a very good job Um, obviously he has ways to improve ways to improve when it comes to like in-game adjustments um out of timeout plays stuff like that managing guys um rotation the rotation especially um but i think horbrick's should be given a solid enough like talking point. Like we should be talking more about how good of a job Fred Holder has been doing.
0: For sure. Yeah, they're third in the NBA in pace since uh Nico came back and again, you know, he just has the right guys around him to, to play the pace he wants to play at. Jerry Grant is a guy who moves the ball and pushes and Chris Dunn too. They they are fun to watch and it's it's fun to root for a team that you have such low expectations for that just yes,
1: exactly. magically
0: yeah. starts winning. Uh, I understand the the conflict with hoping for losses so you get a better pick, especially with such a deep draft this year, or at least such a deep lottery, and so many guys who could be high-end talents who have such high upside. I kind of wanted to talk about that with you a little bit. Who are you hoping that the Bulls are targeting in this upcoming draft, imagining they're going to be picking somewhere, you know, in the 5-10 to 10 range or so?
1: Yeah, see, so my ideas for a top-three pick have gone completely out the window. So, like, my, my pipe dream of Luka Doncic playing for the Bulls is all but dead. Yeah. Um, so... Um, I would have to go with someone like a, like, I think they need a wing. Like, I really do think they need a wing type of guy because, um, I don't know. I can just see the Bulls, like, I can just see the Bulls getting a wing. So, I would say either, um, a wing or, like, a a solid shooting big man that can go around marketing. So, either Mikhail Bridges from Villanova is the one name that I really like. Um, Miles Bridges from Michigan State. Those are two wings I think that could really fit the Bulls' skill set, um, and also Jaron Jackson from Michigan State, like he can shoot the three. Um, he's only a freshman, um, six ten with a seven seven for four wingspan. So like that's that's massive wingspan right there.
0: He's blocking um, over three shots a game this year too, in like about twenty minutes. So he's just he's one of these unicorn type players. I love Jaron Jackson.
1: Yeah, I would I would totally love Jaron Jackson too. Like I think that you know like. He's not as, like, he's not, like, a a guy who can put it on the floor and make you miss type of guy. But he's definitely, like, a unicorn type. So I wouldn't be mad to see, like, I actually would be pretty happy if the Bulls got Jaron Jackson. Um, Obviously, Bridges is a guy that I'm looking at, too. But the only thing I would have against him is he's basically Zach Levine's age coming out of college. So, like, that's, that's sort of a hard thing to justify, too. Like, obviously, if any of, like, the bigger names, like... Um, like a port or something like that, drop down, I think Chicago's take them instantly. But the way they are now, everyone's probably going to get sapped up. So I think probably Jaron Jackson and Mikhail Bridges are my number one and two guys the Bulls should take.
0: Yeah, I think that that's pretty realistic of you too. I mean, look, this might be the draft where you, as a Bulls fan, looking for fit instead of best talent available, would be happier to be picking, you know, in that 6-11 to 11 range or so instead of the top five. Because, you know, beyond Doncic and beyond Trey Young, it's all really big guys who are probably going to be taken there. Obviously, you have DeAndre Ayton, you have uh, Mo Bamba, Marvin Bagley, who I don't know what he's going to be at the next level. Mm -hmm. With his size and considering how young he is, I mean, I'm imagining he's a floor-spacing five or something. Maybe he's a four. Maybe you do want to be picking closer to that 10 range to land one of the bridges or or Jaron Jackson. It's it's a good class, though, and you're in a good spot. You know, seeing how you're not thinking they're going to be in the top five, what are your expectations for this Bulls team for the rest of the season?
1: Um, I, I, okay, obviously, I would like to them for them to get to that seventh spot where that Cavs pick or that Nets pick is right now. Um, but all I'm saying for Chicago is like, I hope like they just don't like randomly, blindly stumble into the playoffs like they did last year, like. <laughs> absolutely call, fall like completely backwards into the playoffs um that would be my worst case scenario because then you're picking like what like 16th or like and like then you're really really going to be like searching for answers and then you're gonna be like all right who's the guys that are like there and then all the wings are basically gone and you're left with like a bunch of shooting guards um or you might have to reach on a guy that you wouldn't even think about reaching so i think that the bulls should like my advice for the bulls right now is stay right where you are like like don't do any better, you can do worse. of obviously losing Chris Dunn. Like you hate to see an injury like that. But I think it would really help in terms of like their tank in a way. Because like, i s I'm not up I'm not optimistic about Jerry and Grant at all. And Cameron Payne's coming back, so that's a tank commander. <laughs> uh, so um, I think the Bulls should stay right where they are.
0: Sounds good. VJ, before we hang up, man, this is a lot of great bulls stuff. I'm really glad to get some insight about the team. Again, they're fun, and it's fun to talk about fun teams that don't have high expectations. But before before we hang up, there's a team that hasn't been having any fun, and they do have high expectations in the Eastern Conference. And obviously that's the Cleveland Cavaliers who just look like the worst defensive team in the league. LeBron's upset. Everybody around LeBron's upset. There's a lot of finger-pointing, a lot of speculation if they're going to make trades heading into the trade deadline. Not sure what they could do, especially when a couple of weeks ago – we were talking about this team getting Isaiah Thomas back and him feasibly being the missing piece. It doesn't look like he is. It looks like they need some more help. What are your thoughts on the Cavs kind of being terrible with regards to the rest of the East? Are you not worried? Do you think they should still be favorites to get to the finals?
1: Um, I. Okay, so usually what happens is around this time, like. I do a little bit worry about the Cavs because I'm like, wow, the Cavs are really getting beat. And then like LeBron starts to try really hard on defense like the past – like back at the end of the season. I'm like, you know what? They're fine. Because like usually – like I think I am worried about them but I can see why people would not be because this is the time – this fits the Cavs timeline. Like we're hitting around that February panic button mode and then you get to the first round they're sweeping everyone to to, to the finals. Um, but I really am concerned about them this time because, like, look, you don't have a guy like Kyrie Irving this time, and you're also your defense is absolutely terrible. Like, this is this is very bad defense, and this is defense that's going to take a lot of effort out of them to not, like, you know, get basically like you know beat up on like inside or in terms of scoring, like. I just think that if they have to try so hard on defense now to stop from getting blown out, like, as compared to the playoffs, I think they might be gassed when it comes to the playoffs. Like, you're going to have to play LeBron, like, an insane amount of minutes. Um, You're going to be asking a lot of defensive efforts from guys like Wade, Thomas, guys who are not that big of defenders. Jay Crowder is going to have to do a lot. You're going to have to play Thompson a lot of minutes. So I am actually really worried about the Cavs. Um, I think my pick for the guy – the team that's going to come out of the East, honestly, I think it's the Raptors. Like, I'm a big Raptors guy. I really love DeRozan, Lowry's game. I really love the young guys coming off the bench. OG Anubi, like, Poto, um, guys like Van Vliet, DeLon Wright. Like, I, I just really like, those, really like those young guys for the Raptors. I think they're making a big leap this year. Um, so I think the Raptors are probably the team that's going to give Cleveland the most problems. Obviously, you yeah, have the Celtics still there with Tatum and Irving. Um, but I'm just going to go with the Raptors as my pick to make it out of the East. But I really think we should start worrying about the Cavaliers.
0: I, I really like you picking Toronto here. A couple weeks ago, I had Sean Woodley come on the podcast to talk mm-hmm. about how good they've been. And I mean, they just they have so many good young players and they're playing faster and their defense is better. And they should be able to preserve Kyle Lowry a little bit for the playoffs. DeMar's taken taking another step. It's just playoffs are a boogeyman for this team. So you got to hope that they can kind of overcome that hurdle. I guess you can kind of say the same thing for Boston, who every year they're getting a little bit closer, and somehow, you know, beyond anybody's expectation, they've been even better this year than they were last year with a completely different core. These young guys are making a difference for them, and it's just, it's interesting to see some of the other teams in the Eastern Conference who are playing a lot better being led by youth movements, and then you have Cleveland, who doesn't have any of that and has a bunch of crotchety, bickering stars around LeBron, who's playing the most minutes of his career. I was freaking out about this team earlier in the season and then they came and they railed off all those wins in, you know, late November, December and it was like all right, they're fine. We were just we were just panicking the way we always do about this team. I just don't know seeing them have another stretch like this where they look so bad, they look so vulnerable, can't guard the perimeter, can't guard around the rim like they just they have a lot of holes on this team and I don't know that LeBron can overcome it. My heart of hearts still tells me I'm taking LeBron over a Toronto team i haven't seen win in the playoffs yet i mean sure toronto has more they could throw at lebron this year they're they're bigger they're longer they're faster maybe this will be the year for them i'm not totally convinced about boston yet but i'm just hoping for a good eastern conference playoffs because as you mentioned you know every year we just get the cavs stumbling into the playoffs and sweeping their way pretty much to the finals or making everybody around them look look like jokes and maybe this won't be the year but Either way, it's, it's a fun season. There's a lot of fun stuff happening in the Eastern Conference. For really, sure, yeah. I'm really looking forward to the second half of the year. But, BJ, thanks so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. Before we hang up, do you have any work you want to plug? Any shout-outs you want to give?
1: Um, I'm going to have uh, some stuff coming out on Blogable. Obviously, I do a lot of after-game recaps. So if you're looking for, to figure out what type of stuff the Bulls do from game-to-game game basis, uh, make sure to check that out. Um, I have... I just went to the DePaul-Butler game yesterday for Big East Coast Bias, so make sure to check out my recap uh, there. And uh, just make sure to follow me uh, at VJVemu uh, for some, you know, takes from music all the way to the Bulls.
0: VJ is a great Twitter follow. Make sure you're following him. Again, that's VJVemu at VJVemu on Twitter. Make sure you're following Blog Bulls also. Blog Bull, that is, not Blog Bulls. There is no S. And Big East Coast Bias. VJ, you do great work. Thank you again so much for coming on the podcast, and uh, hopefully you can come back on sometime in the future.
1: Yeah, thank you, man. Looking forward to coming back and uh, talking more NBA with you.
0: Great stuff. Thanks, VJ. Thanks for listening, guys.
1: Long range, I've been killing on the blacktop. AI cross, sunning rappers like a backdrop. Clock ticking, I'm the one, take the last shot. Couple chairs for him, got your shorty like a mascot. Never ask, I'm just filling with that ass. Got He's half nuts at my neck like an ascot. Uh, 100 grand up in my dash hop with more K's than dash got. You living in a glass box, I'm on point, Steve Nash. Box. Destroy your track like I'm Hancock. Now I'm pulling tops down like a ragtop.